Health Plans, your Medicare plans, insurance solutions, and resource agency. We have a variety of plans and products that fit your needs, benefit requirements, and budget, with many low or no-cost premium plans, zero co-pays, and much more. Our licensed benefits advisor's priority is your health and well-being. Call us today and book your no-obligation consultation. 1-929-367-5269. Folks, welcome back to the iHealth channel, the EMVC network, iHealth radio, and the whole network, basically. Uh, new day, new show, new topic with your host, Hurricane Age. Uh, today is going to be a touchy uh, topic or touchy, feely, very um, emotional and also inspirational show that I have today. And uh, with me, I have a guest. He's uh, he is doing something special, and uh, we'll leave that for the end of the show. Uh, but but he is he's dedicated some time to uh, write books and a particular book based on a story. And 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 maybe in the book, he's tackling some. Uh, tough discussions, deeper stuff that's, that, that probably touches on emotions and things. So again, I, you know, I'm being always a little bit funny about, you know, the, the discussion because I want our, you know, guests really to actually highlight all those things. But before we go there, I want to bring our guest on, uh, David Richmond. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Oh, uh, you can't imagine how glad I am because we've, <laughs> we booked this again a few months back and uh, yeah. I was looking forward to it. And uh, reading about your stuff, your work, uh, and, and where you were and where you are today and why, what, what you're doing and why you're doing it. And, and, mm-hmm. and better all, you know, we're going to talk about what you do with, you know, the money for that book and all that. So, mm-hmm. so let's talk first things first, your story. Uh, David started in a whole different world, uh, dealt with a lot of things yourself and the person and health and stuff and then things happen in life and there was an event and then um in between there's there's some books and things so let's talk right. about that whole journey i'm sure. breaking it down to our audiences sure it's it's funny because uh w- w- what i did with this with this book was i said a uh, point a is is when you encounter the problem point b is today so how did uh the emotional side of things happen from point A to point B in relation to everything that happened before point A. Nice. <laughs> That's what's the important stuff, right? Yes, sir. So for, for me, everything that happened before point A, not everything, but some of the important things you and I could talk about is, uh, you know, I, gr- I grew up in Southern California, very uh, tr- traumatic, somewhat of a traumatic childhood, not, not, not crazy over the top traumatic, but you know, not so normal. Uh, my parents were nearly 40 years age difference between them. So when I was born, my mom was 21. My dad was 59. So she was really too young to have kids, didn't want them. He was too old for kids, didn't really want them. So me and my sister grew up, um, you know, really in a house where they really didn't want kids or, or necessarily even like kids. So it was a it was a tough environment for us to grow up in, but I went out on my own when I was about 18 and kind of tried to find my way in the world and had, uh, like anybody's going to have some, some tougher times than not. And, and, you know, you, you, you develop tools and learn how to overcome them or whatever. But, but my, um, my path led me to financial services. So, so I would just try one thing and I would do it and it'd lead me to something else, something else, something else. And I, I never had like the experience or the education for what I was, my next step was, but I always had a, 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 a mindset of, Hey, as an opportunity, I'm going to, I'm going to maximize it and, and try to be the best at it. And we'll see what, what happens. Even if I'm not qualified, even if I don't know what I'm doing, I'll, I'll figure it out I'll, and I'll work hard. So, uh, never went to college. Ne- I didn't have the chance to, um, and, uh, yeah, all of a sudden I find myself in the financial services business, um, running, uh, over a hundred million dollar in revenue division for, a, for a big major financial company. So here I am in charge of hundreds of employees, you know, tens of millions of, you know, like 120 million in revenues and, uh, all the responsibility that comes with that. And that's, 
that was kind of like the positive side of coming out of a, a lot of trauma as a kid and um you know no education and fighting uphill battles it's like i landed you know i was in a good place i had had a good income had a good job very challenging career but on the other side of it uh i, I was not very well adapted i was very stressed out i was overweight i was a smoker um i was married to an abusive alcoholic uh and i had you know some danger related to that i had just had uh my wife had just had four-year-old uh or just had kids so we had four-year-old twins um and i was at a miserably low place because you know i was like i said i was very unhealthy very very stressed out very unhappy um uh and had to get me and my kids to to safety and it was a really um crazy time because on one side of this the ledger things are great i got i'm i'm so lucky on the other side of the ledger things are horrible and um and 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 they had been pretty much my whole life the personal side of it wasn't very good and uh, you know i don't know what you feel about this but that's probably because i didn't have any mentors or any direction from my parents or you know, I didn't, I didn't, everything I did was trying to figure it out on my own and I could figure it out in the, in the business world, but I, I couldn't figure it out in the personal world. And, and, and I just didn't, you know, didn't have any examples to follow. didn't have anybody to talk to, you know, and, and just, just was not in a good place. And then one day I was in my late thirties you know, my kids are four. Like I said, I'm I'm at the point of ultimate stress. I got to get out of the situation. I got to get a safe, and I, I got to like face the problems and all of that. And one day, a friend of mine just said, "Look, man, you got to fix your problems. It's it's not everybody else. It's you. It's it's not it's it's not. Um, you know what what he said to me is he he goes, look, man, uh, every person you come across and everything that you have a problem with." is like a wild animal because they don't know they're wild animals and what do wild animals do is they bite and they tear things up and they ruin stuff because that's what wild animals do they don't know any better they're not doing it on purpose that's just what they do but you come across a wild animal and you try to pet it you feed it and you give it a nice home and you try to you know make sure it's all safe and everything's good and then it bites you and you go what the hell and it's, he's like, you got to look at you. What, what's your problem, man? Why do you keep finding wild, wild animals? And that was like the right time and the right words for me to say, yeah, maybe I ought to like fix myself instead of instead of everything else. So that's kind of where point A starts. So that's the major stuff before point A. That was kind of when point A started, which was this like transformation. Wow, David. You know that's that's quite a bit, uh, and just I know it's a lot. It was a, it's a lot, but I, I you know I just want no, to no, no. That's perfect, actually. And uh, you know, for our audiences, I mean, you've touched on many things that many of our viewers or listeners could potentially either have experienced or potentially may experience. And um, you know, again, your story could be. I think there's there's always someone that has a similar story out there, if not many. Mm -hmm. uh, and. The first thing I want to just talk about and before we get into the the next, you know, part of, you know, point A uh, through to B is just your upbringing. I mean, the idea of the parents. And I think maybe for our audiences, I want to ask you, like, what would you state to people right now if they, they, they get into a relationship where there's a major difference? I think that's one question. That I, because from your experience as yeah. the son of such a relationship and the experience the experience that you've you've encountered and how it impacted your life what mm -hmm. advice would you give to other people today and the other part is like how you've dealt with it you know yourself and you know leaving home early trying to fight for yourself and really fend you know the world and still making it happen i think that's the other part of the discussion today is that you know for many people they have struggles and some have you know easier than others but at the end of the day Live is not peachy. Live is not a, you know, a right. nice picnic, you know, there's always something going on. And, you know, for some people, they might like, oh, education, this, that, uh, you've made it without it yet. Yeah, you know, I'm sure that if, if you said it yourself, and I'm sure if you had an opportunity to go back and do something about it, you would have done it and you probably would give a different advice, but you mm -hmm. didn't have a choice. You had the only choice you had to go out there and make it happen. Some people don't understand that part. 
there are people that are fortunate. There are people that have no choice but face it live early on yeah. because they have no choice. Uh, in your case, that was it. That doesn't yeah. mean you cannot find a, a path to success. You yeah. had a personality and you did it to your point. You put all that to the side and you focus mm -hmm. on business, but you did financial, you know, the financial world is, is huge yeah. and, and having made, made it to that level, mm -hmm. you're running some large scale stuff uh, is also, it's a, a story of success in a way. And I want to make sure that we highlight that for people yeah. because some people may not have the luxury of going to school. Many don't have that uh, for various reasons, whether they came from a different part of the world or even here, they were not able to do it for, you know, a multitude of things. And yet they do get into the real world. I mean, you got to do something about it. I mean, you got to survive, right? And uh, and and one of the things I want to highlight, because I know to get into the financial services or some other, you know, you get a license. And 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 so there are mm -hmm. ways of, it's almost a different type of education in its way, the licensing, the state, right. and all the stuff. Right. And you get into those, I'm, I'm assuming series six, seven, and all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, so, so if you, you can do that. So there's different paths in addition. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the education component, the formal education helps in, in structure, maybe for senior management or whatever. But at yep. the end of the day, we want to give hope for people that no matter what your circumstances, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and things can happen. And your story today is going to lead us to that at yeah. the end of the day. Well, yeah, or it's not. I mean, listen, it, it, the funny thing is you never know what people have gone through, yeah. right? You never know what people are going through. You never know what they've gone through. And a lot of times the biggest limiters are the ones we put on ourselves, right? And so, so to answer the first question with the age difference, I would say I, I don't have uh, the answer for what is the right or wrong approach. I think you'll know if it's right or wrong because I couldn't tell you maybe maybe it's 12 years maybe it's 22 years I don't know I don't know what the, the outer limits are right because people could be happy with the right person if they find that right person even if it's for a short period of time so that's not the I think the the problem is is if you're if you're bringing kids into the into the mix you, you better make sure at least one of the parents really wants the kids right? I mean, don't have kids if you don't want them. Don't have kids if you're not going to treat them well. Don't have kids if you're not going to be unselfish and do for them before you do for the, for yourself. I mean, that's that's my advice. I, I hate to be preachy because, you know, I don't like people telling me what to do. But I would say, I, I don't know if I have a problem with age difference itself or background difference or race difference or anything like that difference. No problem at all. But if you're bringing kids into it, Maybe you ought to have a little more care for. Am I doing? Am I? Should I? Should I bring? Should I bring kids into it? That, that's the only advice. So, so David, I want to just pause on that because I want to yeah. add something. And I really thank you for for stating that because I wasn't so much asking about the the choice of the age, but to your point, if you get, sometimes people get into a relationship, but you know there's an outcome to relationships, and mm -hmm. especially if you marry, you know, uh, or even if you don't, you can have potentially kids. The question is. Are you ready for that? And and to your point, the age difference could be you know detrimental because as we age, we're not we're not the same energy. <laughs> we're right. not the same people. Right. When you want to, and, and if you're too young, you might not be ready for it. So it kind of you know. So the mm -hmm. question here is not about the age; it's really about the ability that know that whatever relationship you're going to get, you know, are you ready for the next step and what's going to happen? And you have to think about if you have upsprings, you know, what's going to happen to those kids? Are they, are you going to be able to, to pro provide with them the right stuff and, and hopefully mm -hmm. contribute, or are you going to bring them to the world and, and they will suffer? And this is, this is something that's happened and it probably still happening. It will happen. So that, the reason I'm asking about that is just that for our audiences, at least, you know, we all are human. We all, to your point, you meet someone, doesn't matter. The age is not a big deal, but mm -hmm. you know, are we ready? Are we even capable physically to actually have kids and, and, and raise them? Cause I can tell you just between a decade to the other, your energy level is not the same. Like I had my oldest son is 26. My, 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 my next one is 10, 11 years later. Nice. <laughs> so, so for me, you know, what I was able to do with my first versus what I was able to do my second is a whole difference. It's I very mean, different. You know, so the same, the pace is not the same. And that's just my personal experience. Now you try to do your best, but I know it's not the same. You know, you're just not, you know, when you were younger, you mm -hmm. can do a lot more stuff. You can play with them. You get older, you get a little crankier, <laughs> you know, right, and so, right, so that, that's right. a challenge. So again, I, I relate to it to, to a degree, yeah. you know, because yeah. And think, think about it, right? Like uh, there's going to be uphill battles no matter what for every kid. Okay. Life's not easy. Right. But 
if you know that you're bringing kids in to a very uphill battle, maybe you got financial problems, maybe you have a drug problem, maybe there's interracial issues and that's going to cause a problem for the kid. Maybe there's uh, uh, disabilities that one of you brings to the race. I don't even know. But if, if you're adding to the potential of life having a little bit more uphill and a little bit more battle, they might be the better off for it. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but just be prepared. Like, like make sure it's what you want to do that you're willing to put in the time because you know, I think at least, you know, from my perspective, you know, kids just want to know that you care. And, and, and if you, and if you're not really, if you're not really in it for them, not now you got to be in it for yourself too, but if you're not in it for them, if you're not willing to give the extra time and attention to the extra uphill battles you might be asking them to deal with man you shouldn't do it and and if you can then you should do it and honestly i believe that uh i wouldn't throw adversity onto any person but i don't know i don't know too many people that don't learn from tough times and don't grow out of difficulty so you know life's not easy it's gonna be hard no matter what so and, and and people usually make it through but just be prepared to help them in my case i just didn't have the help Right, my parents just my parents are just like, you want you want dinner? Cook, you know. You're eight years old. Figure it out, you know. So it's like, yeah, I think you should maybe just give more more time and attention, you know. To to your second piece that you talked about, um, you know where where you come from. I used to interview when I would interview new financial advisors. Right, one of the things I would ask because I knew inside my head. I said, I knew what my low point was, right? And and I'd say, so pick your low point in your life. You you know what it is, because it hits you like that. The lowest point in your life. And then today, like how did you get from that low point to today? Like g- give me the give me the cliff notes. G- give me the short version. And it's a real good um uh, interview question because it'll give you some insight into how they measure what was a low point, mm-hmm. right? and have you have some compassion for maybe what they might have gone through and also some have some understanding for what kind of person they are and what they're made of and i'd be fascinated with these just remarkable stories of what people have gone through and i'd be like sitting there going damn man like i can't ever imagine being at that level of a point and here you are interviewing for a job at a major wall street firm like dang man that, that could never be me and one time i had a guy turn it around on me he goes, okay, I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. I got it right here. And I never really talked about it with anybody, but I go right here. He goes, what was it? And I go, I was 18 years old. I had just been robbed at gunpoint. I had 56 cents in my pocket. I was living in my car behind a Ralph's supermarket on Boulder Highway outside of Vegas. Nobody to call, you know, no, nobody nobody would check in on me. Nobody knew where I was. And I had less than a dollar in my pocket and nothing but a carton of cigarettes in the back with with not knowing what the hell I was going to do. And he goes, huh? And I go, yeah. And now look, I'm, I'm you know, and, and, so you never know what people have gone through because he wouldn't have guessed in a million years that that I had gone through something like that. And, and nor, nor would I know what he had gone through. And so, um you know, I, I think that the compassion when, when when people say, uh, you know, I can't do this because I don't have the education or I can't do this because somebody else, everybody starts this when they're 20 and I'm 40 or whatever limiters we put on ourselves. It's always just the limiters we put on ourselves, right? Because trust me, when you're looking at everybody else in that room thinking how easy they got it, they, trust me, they do not. You know, when, when you're saying everybody else, oh my God, that those people are so charmed. Let me just tell you something. You don't want that things you don't want to go through what they've gone through everybody everybody's going through or has gone through stuff you don't even know how they made it through david thank you so much for that because that is so powerful for our audiences and people because no one knows what anyone else is going through it's unfortunate you know that sometimes people are judged based on whatever people are seeing as opposed to 
you know, it's uh, we always know that picture about the iceberg and the tip of the iceberg and a lot yeah. of stuff in the back for success. Yeah. Well, same yeah. thing for problems. People see like just the facade and they don't know what's, you know, what's going behind the scenes and it's yeah. tough for everybody. And sometimes people struggle a lot to get where they are. Mm -hmm. And, but people come in at that success rate and, oh, look at them. They have the life, you know, or you must mm -hmm. have had it like, you know, on a golden spoon here, but that's right. how it works. So, so thank you. Works. Thank you for sharing that because again, yeah. for people all over the world, you know, the world is not easy. The grass is not greener on the other side of anything. Uh, and you're right. We put limits and the only limits are ours. So we cannot have to, we have to focus that we can do more no matter what. And we have the ability to do it. And a lot of people are doing it and going through things and surviving and thriving. So thank you for that. So that got us yeah, to point welcome. A. Yeah. No, I was just going to add the, 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 the one thing for me too is I, I didn't I didn't understand that concept myself really till I was in my late 30s right I still had that quiet little chip on my shoulder going everybody else has it so easy and I had it so tough and blah 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 and I've got all these problems and you know I, I'm always in bad relationships and I'm, I'm you know I've got this whole like but but then I then I was like no nah, I did like you're you're the guy limiting me, you know like like take a look at yourself and, and and i never gave myself permission to do that i never understood that i needed to care about what the guy in the mirror thought i was always like everybody's judging me for what i think they they think i should be or you know like whatever i like i like you know what i'm saying like i didn't have mm -hmm. that self-awareness to go no i can't compare myself to anybody else and nobody else is comparing themselves to me it doesn't work that way like i just gotta go out there and be the best that i can be it didn't even hit me until I was in my late thirties, that whole concept, you know? So it was something I learned much later in life. And, and, uh, gosh, if anybody learns it earlier, you're doing way better than me. Well, well, again, that's also a, a pointer. I mean, because to your point, we kind of forget and we just keep going and, uh, we only start reflecting as we age and it's, 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 it's amazing how the wisdom starts getting better as you, yeah. and we always kind of make fun of, you know, elderly and the, and then the elders and, and we mm -hmm. think like, you know, uh, yeah, they, you just, you know, just full of, you know, nonsense. But, right. but when you start hitting those markers and you'll be like, huh, I wish I could have done this way. Right. I should have done it the other way. And, and sometimes, and again, I, I love what you're doing because you are spreading this word, you know, for people and hopefully some younger folks can take some of that. I mean, again, advice is free and uh, at least it's pointers, you know, it doesn't, they don't have to apply to it and they don't have to, you know, take it for what it's worth. But at the same time, it's available. Know that sometimes you could avoid certain things in life if you get to them early. If you have that self-talk early, if you start, you know, really asking the right questions. Yeah, I would say in my case, I, I didn't really have regret that I would have done something different. I mean, I never really, really thought about it that way. When, when I, when I, when I finally like realized that I learned all these really super valuable lessons in my life, but I never took time to apply them to myself. I didn't go, oh, I wish I would have done this or, oh, I got regret or oh, whatever. I just said, dude, now, you know. You, you didn't know before, but, but now, you know, so, so go forward, like go learn, go do whatever you want to do. So I just became, I was probably always optimistic, but I became even more optimistic because I'm like, Oh shoot. You mean I can pick my head up and like interact with the world. You mean I can, I can learn stuff. I can care about me. I mean, like all the things that I learned that was advice I would tell a younger person or I don't, I don't know that I would have told myself because I, I didn't regret. It's just life was the way it was, but I just felt fortunate that somebody told me, you know, why don't you look in the mirror and fix your own problems? It was just a complete rewiring of a, of, of a way to think about uh, things. And so I didn't look at that knowledge or that ex experience or wisdom or whatever. I didn't look at it as now I've got it and I wished I would have applied it a different way or but no, I said, oh, oh my gosh, that's how you do it? Okay, cool. Now go do it, right? Well, you know, David, that is an excellent point because to your point, we cannot go back in time. There's no way for us to rewind that, but we do have a fresh start every day. Mm -hmm. And so the minute you make that, I guess, <laughs> eureka moment, like, poof, it's happening and you realize what's up, it's time to change. New leaf, new day, new lifestyle, new everything. Yep. Yeah, yep. you're right. I mean, regret doesn't resolve it then, but for 
advice-wise? I mean, someone could avoid some things by maybe if someone tells them early on, hey, listen, this is the outcome of this or the other, whatever. But for yeah. you, to your point, anyone listening today, if you are at a point, at a juncture, you know, a crossroads in your life where you're like, you know, things are not working out, you know, you can still have a new day, new beginning. That you just a new chapter is is literally live every day. So wake up, it's a cool thing, you know, and you freshen up and you start again. And you can have a whole different experience in life. So again, it's very motivational and I think for, for people to realize that it's never too late. Today is a new day. We right. can do this. And you're a perfect example of what you've done point, you know, after that point, regard despite some of the challenges that you were gonna talk mm -hmm. about right now and past the point A. So 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 thank you for all that. So let's talk yeah. about that turning moment with with the the event that occurred you know i mm -hmm. guess i believe i don't want to say it and i want you to share with us sure, sure. actually triggered you know the next step so during the time uh, and in great uh great way to frame the question but during the time that i finally said you know look man you you gotta you're you, you have permission to care about what the guy in the mirror thinks like 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 start figuring out what your problems are start figuring out what you're good at lean into it learn whatever right and, and, and there were some more things that happened around that time, rewiring that, that, that mean inner voice started to rewire. But I said, like, man, you got, like, one of the things you got to do is get healthy. Like, like you got to get healthy. You got, you got four-year-old twins, you know, you, you're a smoker, you're overweight, you're not athletic, whatever. You got to, you, I mean, you got to change that. And yeah, I, I thought about it a hundred times. People told me a hundred times, but it never like, I just, it just clicked, never clicked. But then all of a sudden it did. So I said, okay, well, what are you going to do, man? You smoked a quarter million cigarettes. You know, you you, you you wasted 20 years of being active. But whatever. Okay. Just day one. So so I went for like a little two-minute run. Couldn't make it. Then then the next day did a three-minute run. Couldn't make it. And eventually I could make it. And, and I was starting to do longer runs and longer runs and triathlons. And I, I said, I mean, I'm going to do a half Ironman. And I'm going to do an Ironman. And I got this whole like road ahead of me of all this cool stuff well right at the time when i said okay man you got to start to become athletic was the time when i said okay now you could like lift your head up and see how you interact with the world so i i go oh my gosh look at all the possibility right and i see this endless kind of road ahead of me of i'm gonna figure out who i am and i'm gonna see what i what i can become and i'm gonna try to be a better person for me and and like all of this stuff and i'm all excited about life and at the same time my sister called me up and said hey i wanted to let you know i i got i just got diagnosed with with cancer it's brain cancer and, and it's and it's pretty bad it's it's probably terminal and i said oh shit. so at the time when i'm thinking about optimism in the long road ahead and all the stuff i'm going to learn and all the stuff i'm going to enjoy and find out about myself here's my sister who is kind of opposite of me in that she's already living her great life she's got great marriage great circle of friends she's very comfortable in who she is she's maximizing her experience with the world you know like 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 she's a kind of a model for like yeah she's kind of fits like she like everything's kind of working right and then and now her road's going to be very short and 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 i was kind of taken by that and it made me uh, really become observant and try to talk to her and try to witness what was going on. I always been observant, but I really took it to another level. And I noticed that every single person at some level, whether it was a doctor, a nurse, a friend, a family member, whomever, every single person, they could wrap their brain around the tasks around cancer. Here's how you make appointments. Here's how you get better care. Here's how you get your kids watched. Here's how you get time off of work. Here's how you eat better. Like the kind of tasks around cancer they got. But when it came to the emotional side, like everybody had some degree of, I either don't deal with the emotions or I don't know how to deal with the emotions or I don't know what to say to anybody or I don't know how to allow anybody to talk to me because I, I feel embarrassed or I don't want to bring them down or I don't want to say something stupid or I don't want to live in the negative or well, I don't even know there's a million uh, 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 you know things that limit us from having these conversations and I'm like why is it 
so easy to talk about everything but the emotional side of it. Let me try to figure out why. And so that's what that's what set me off in this project is not to solve the problem, but just to try to understand the problem a little bit more. So, so David, first of all, that's another thing that we can just you know briefly discuss. You know, you gave the example of your sister having the best life and everything. Yet here's a, a, a turning point in life, which is pretty much. Uh, not something we wish for anyone, right? But right. that's also another reality of life that can happen to anyone any given day, and it can change, turn everything upside down. And, uh, you know, we always have to, you know, again, life is is not always a picnic, as we stated, stated earlier. Mm -hmm. Things can happen to anyone. And just where you were, just about here, the world is finally opening up. And here comes your only sister, who is now dealing with this. And to your point, emotionally, it is not easy to talk about. I mean, when you talk to someone and they tell you I'm sick, it's hard to tell them like, hi, there's no way for you to actually present that to them. And you try right. to do your best. And sometimes we do it wrong. We come across so, you know, touchy feely and all stuff. And sometimes you're too blunt and it doesn't work. And, and it's almost like you're cautious about how to do it. And there's no real formula that people have, you know, at least devised in a way. But, mm -hmm. but you were faced with that dilemma because you had to with this and and be next to your sister and be by her side and help her you know through this transition and this this life you know changing uh event and you know you did though somehow you did how were you able to actually manage it i mean it this is not something i mean i've lost people for you know with cancer and i can tell you it's not easy i mean you accept it because it's part of life but um it is not a simple thing you know most people like they don't realize what it is uh, unless you go through it yeah and i i don't know if i have the answer to that i can just tell you what my experience was is that i was just very touched by the fact that you know it, it, it was like for me it was another level of of kind of tragic because we both had the same kind of crappy childhood and um and i was kind of, I, I always kind of admired how she didn't carry that and it didn't limit her in the same ways that it limited me. And so I kind of admired that she was living such a good life, you know, emotionally, you know, uh, I, I don't mean, you know, measured on money or houses or vacations mm -hmm. or anything. I don't mean that kind of living a good life, but emotionally she was really in a good place. And, and I was really touched by that. And so I wanted to kind of see what I could do to learn from her. And that's when it hit me. And I'm just like, why? Why is it hard for people to have those things? And Lee, you said it before. Sometimes you're too blunt. Sometimes you're not blunt enough. Sometimes you ask the wrong question. You don't want to ask the wrong question. So, like, think about this. There's nobody listening right now. I, I'll make an absolute guarantee. There's nobody listening right now that doesn't have some kind of a, a friend, acquaintance, coworker, friend of a friend that you know from parties or whatever that's going through something really, really difficult. Okay. And you've thought about calling them and saying, Hey man, how you doing? Right. Not, not, what do you need? Like, let me, let me give you, you know, money for your charity. Not, not, no. Like, how are you doing? Like you wanted to make that call, but guess what? You didn't make it. And now it's been a few weeks and you're hesitant to make it. I guarantee you every single person out there has somebody they know they should have been calling about something difficult they're going through, a divorce, loss of job, problem with a kid, a, a financial issue, home burned down, something, right? And you're thinking, oh my God, you know what? I've been so busy. I just haven't called them. And now you don't call them because what do you say? Like, oh, it's a hurricane. Uh, I should have been calling you. Oh, oh, I know I'm an idiot because I, uh, uh, wait, what do you say? So you don't say anything. And especially when it comes to something like cancer, and especially if it might be terminal cancer, man, you don't you don't know what to say. So best not to say anything. Better to just disappear. And um, and and especially with things like cancer, uh, there's a lot of abandonment. There's a lot of isolation, uh, and there's a lot of loneliness. And 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 not on purpose. Like okay, some communities around the world. You say the word cancer, that means you're going to get it. Okay, I, I get that. You yeah, know, there's exactly. other factors at play here. Yeah. But in in the real world, 
it's just sometimes it's easier to just not deal with the problem than deal with the problem. And so um, I, I was really touched by that concept to say, what can I do to figure out why? Why is that? So that's why I ended up doing the Psycho Lives Project was to try to show, let's try to shed a light on why. Why, why is it that way? So, so David, the book is Cycles of Life. Uh-huh. And, and 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 live or lives cycle of life. It's it's cycle of lives. Life. So cycle like a bicycle. Yeah. Of lives. There's 15 stories in the book, so it's all different lives. So it's cycle of lives. It's kind of a play on the words. So 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 15 stories mm-hmm. that that touch on deeper emotional stuff. Yeah. So what I did was I found a doctors, nurses, patients. Uh, loved ones, uh, people that had lost people to cancer, people that were going through cancer, people that encountered cancer when they were young, when they were old, one lady who just had a fear of cancer, another lady who had cancer five different times. And, and I, and I said, okay, I maybe can't wrap my brain around your cancer experience. Cause who, who, who could ever understand that? Mm. You've been through it. You couldn't explain it. Nobody else understands it excuse me, it's very personal. It's very like, it's, it's very unique. It's, I, I, it's a private little thing. So I maybe can't understand that. But you know what? That's that's A, a to B. I can't understand. But before A, all those people, the doctors and the nurses and the patients and the loved ones, I, you know what I could get an understanding of? How they were broke, how they got robbed, how they were abandoned, how they had abusive uh, parents or spouses, how they had drug addiction, went to prison, made bad choices. Uh, those kind of traumas I could get, I could relate to them. Because who doesn't have something that they've had to overcome or many things that they still are over? Who who can't identify with that? And when we watch movies, when we read books, when we talk to people and we're drawn to their stories, it's because we, we feel them, we get them. Like, I understand that. So I could understand those kind of things. So if I could understand those kind of things and really identify with what is behind the curtain when you say you never know what people are going through, you never know what they went through. If I could understand that part, then maybe that would give me some tools so that when I when I was hesitant to talk to them about the emotional stuff of other traumas like cancer, I would go, oh, okay, I got it. So an example would be like if, if I say, hey, hey, George. Uh, like, listen, man, I know you're going through something. I, I don't know really what it is, but I just want to let you know I, I'm here for you. I'd love to talk if you ever want. And he goes, no, nah, no, really, David, it's really cool. I appreciate you asking me, but yeah, I'm fine, man. It's, it's, it, we all got our stuff or whatever. Now, maybe it's that, or maybe the dude just got the worst freaking news ever. Okay? And, and, and any time that he leaned on somebody in his life, they abandoned him. They maybe, may, maybe, I don't know. And, but he's afraid to tell me that not everything's not okay. But but if I if I just said to him, if I knew how to do this, right? I'm setting this up to make it easy because it's not this easy. But what if I said, George? So you're telling me everything's okay. I'm sorry for invading your space a little bit, but. Man, you look like everything's not okay. And I'm not asking you, hoping that you won't tell me. So, like, 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 you want to talk now? You want to talk later? Like, like, talk to me, man. What's going on? No, really, nothing's going on. Okay. So, you tell me nothing's going on because you're afraid that I'm going to go running for the hills? Are you telling me nothing's going on because nothing's going on? Are you telling me nothing's going on because it's none of my damn business? I just want to let you know, I, I'm just saying I'm, I'm here for you. Like, I'm asking you because I care. Right? Now, you... I'm setting it up to be that easy. It's not that easy all the time. Of course. But but if you know what somebody has gone through, when you know what they're going through, maybe his being arm's distance with people is because he doesn't want to get hurt again. Maybe his being arm's distance with people is because he's ashamed to show weakness or he's afraid to face the truth. He doesn't want to talk about it because he can pretend it's not happening. Maybe he doesn't trust you. Maybe he thinks you're going to make it all about you and not about him. Right. And he needs it to be about him, but he can't trust you to do that because you're going to make it all about you. There's a million things that are going on mm. 
But when I brought these 15 stories to the, to the book, I talked to them so much about everything before point A that I, we could identify with them. We could learn from them. We could understand what it's like to be them because it's pretty easy to I, identify about those other things. And then it might just go, oh, next time I run into a George, maybe I could approach him this way. So, so you did that, mm -hmm. and, but then you can understand that part, but now you came to the emotional part or like the, yeah. the post-trauma. And, and uh, so what was some of the, I would say the common denominator across all these cases? They're, they're different, but they're all dealing with a similar you know, yeah. instance or instances. So what was yeah. some of the stuff you discovered through that? Well, and I know, I know we're going to talk about the book itself and we'd like yeah, people yeah. to actually check it out. Yeah. But well, so it's an interesting question. I talked to these, uh, the people in the book for some of them as much as like two, two, two or three years. So, I mean, I was, I was getting super, super deep into their stories. And sometimes it was very acute. They had just gone through or were just going through the problem. Sometimes it was, we're talking about cancer uh, that, that took their dad away when they were six. Now they're an adult. So maybe it wasn't so acute, but, um, but we were talking in depth about things for a couple of years. So I could really understand them. Okay. And then what I wanted to know is those traumas in our lives that happened when we were kids or adolescents or young adults, those traumas in our lives, how did that affect our ability or inability to connect on an emotional level? Mm. Right. That's what I was talking about. Like I can identify with those. Right. And if I could, maybe I could learn how to, how to inter uh, interact with you on an emotional level about the traumas that you're going through today. Um, so the commonalities are, um, well, the, tr the truth is everybody did feel some amount of loneliness. Either they were fully or partially abandoned or they were fully or, or partially they self-isolated, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they pushed everybody away and, you know, closed the door so nobody would show them pity or whatever, right? So there was loneliness, you know, abandonment, isolation, that kind of stuff. Another thing was uh, a, a feeling of, um, I'm the only one that's going through this and nobody nobody could really understand, which is which 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 probably leads to loneliness too. But um but it's shocking how um once once, once they open up the, the flip flop, they realize, oh my God, like I I yeah, I I could never go with your what you're going through. Forget about what I'm going through, man. I could have never know gone with you, right? So it, it, everybody had a sense of mo uh, some level of like nobody would understand me anyway because but but you realize that you don't know what everybody else has been through trust me that you know they will understand you and and so that was it i think um there was a sense that people didn't want sympathy hmm. right they didn't want you to say i'm sorry and look at them all puppy dog eye and like oh it, you know, because it's not about that. It's not about you being sorry. You had nothing to do with it. And people don't want sympathy. They might want you to understand them, but they don't want you to pat pat them on the head and and say, "Oh, cool, I'm so sorry." You know, they don't like that. So, um, I think that was a a, a thing. And, and I think um, importantly, most people, because of those things I just mentioned, um, felt like. Um, if they didn't have somebody that they could trust would listen, like really listen, authentically grounded, one-on-one, -on -one, human being to human being, even for a minute, like really listen, then they they did they 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 would rather shut off, right? Because because I I know everybody knows this situation where you're having the worst freaking day ever, and you open up to somebody even first second and you were just like xyz happened and they look at you and they go oh man tell me about it da 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 happened to me and you're like did you just make that all about you like like and you're i just told you uh, my grandmother died and and you're telling me how hard of a day you had because you took your cat to the vet you know what i'm saying like they, they, so so there's like a that is that is real that's exactly yeah, how real. it is yeah it's exactly how it is 
And so all that creates a sense of loneliness, isolation, awkwardness to talk, awkwardness to open up. And it's it, it's just a shame. So if we could learn how to listen, if we could not give sympathy, if, if we could not make it about us, if we could not, we don't have to solve it. Right? We can't solve the problem anyway. I can't do anything about your abusive husband. Right? I can't do anything about your drug, your sister's drug addiction. Right. So so I'm not going to fix it. I'm just going to give you a safe place to talk about it. And I, and I think that that was some of the commonalities. Well, David, that that's that's a big point right there. I mean, uh, when people are facing tribulations and, and, and difficulties in life, right, uh, you know, what they really need, not necessarily advice, is sometimes just to to have someone to talk to and just a soundboard or sounding board, you know, level where you just, I'm not asking you for, you know, a response. I'm just asking for someone to listen because sometimes I just want to get out of the system and, and be able to talk about it emotionally with no boundaries, with no, like, you know, hold back type of thing, right? And and that's, to your point, as humans, we all have that, that almost defect where as soon as someone talks about it, we try to relate to it, you know, I, we did that earlier when you talked about something I re related to my own life, right? Yeah. So it's it's almost like something that we're you know automatically you know inclined to do, and mm -hmm. but sometimes in a real situation you know you can't do that because your reaction and your talking is not helping the situation. I think, and that right. come across everything when it comes to something that's deeply emotionally like you know in the case of uh, you know cancer or some more extreme stuff you know or that. You know, it's not, it's tragic stuff. You don't want to be like, you know, oh, you know, I know, I know. You cannot know. No one can put themselves in your shoes in that position. Even if they've experienced it, it's different. Every experience is different. Maybe similar, but not the same. So. Right. And I'll, I'll go one further, right? Uh, I'm not just talking about it as in they don't know how bad it is. What I'm talking about it is they don't know it like, dude, if I lost a finger, I might define my whole existence by that and think it's the worst thing ever. And and somebody else might lose a leg and go, that's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Right. So you, you don't even know what, what I'm saying is don't assume to, to think that, you know, don't be there to fix it. Don't make it about you because you don't know. Right. And and that's the thing. They, they know you don't know. And so pe people aren't going to talk about it unless they know that you really care. You can, how can you care? coming in with the answer to everything already well you know you, you are in the financial financial services and it's kind of like salesy and and you know what <laughs> for ruling in sales is that you listen more than you talk yeah, uh, right. you know <laughs> yeah. effective listening right you yeah. know and, and and unfortunately we we all make the mistake of of usually talking i mean mm -hmm. it, it's it's natural and then you go into a, any discussion and someone's just blah, 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 blah. I mean, sometimes I'm guilty, uh, you know, in, in the talking business because I talk. <laughs> My wife's right. like, shut up. You talk too much. You know, but, you know, I, I, I understand it. And you're right. Like, you know, we can pretend that we know we are, but it's never going to be. And we're just going to give the wrong impression to someone when they're really going through tough. Like I said, I mean. It is hard, and unless you experience it, I mean, you've gone through it personally, and you, you know more or less some of those those responses because you were in right. that shoe somehow in your mm -hmm. path, and but but so you went and did this specifically. Now, I I want to ask about the motive behind the book itself and and and, yeah. and this particular format. What was the driver? Is that was that the actual loss of of your sister or? Yeah, I think that it was. It, like I had uh, dealt with with a grieving for my sister, right? I had dealt with that, and and everybody, everybody that's ever lived for a minute ha is going to experience grief, right? And everybody's got a story that needs to be told, and 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 how you deal with it, or how you didn't deal with it, and what you learned, and how you can help. Like there's a million stories out there, and they're all fascinating. So I'm not sure that it came exactly out of the experience of losing my sister to cancer i think it came out of the experience of why is it so hard to have hard conversations about this stuff and that was that's what i wanted to do is as I, as I as i said well i don't like who am i to to understand what it's like to have brain cancer i don't want to talk to 20 people that had breast cancer i don't want to talk to 15 people who lost someone uh, you know to, to suicide or something like that because I, I, I thought that was too narrow. What I wanted was all different ages, 
all different perspectives, patient, caregiver, loved one, whatever, uh, different types of cancer, different severities of cancer, uh, and different emotional responses to, to trauma, right? How many times have you have you seen somebody who went through something absolutely horrendous that you're like, dude, that would have knocked me down? And they look back and they go, no, that was like a springboard. And you're like, oh, shoot. So uh, how, how are we to know the emotional responses people have? There's somebody in the book that when they heard that they had terminal brain cancer, most likely, but in if it wasn't terminal, it was going to be very debilitating because they had to remove a tumor-sized the size of a grapefruit out of her brain. Imagine a, a grapefruit in your brain. And they immediately needed to take her into surgery. And, and she had been woken up to that news. And she she looked at her husband and told her that news with tears coming out of her eyes going, thank God. Thank God it's cancer. Matt, gratitude to hear that. Because she thought, long story short, she thought she was going crazy. She, she thought she she would have to throw away her relationship with her six young kids and her husband of 25 years and all of her friends and all of her life. It was all it was all disappearing because she was slowly getting angrier and crazier and angrier and crazier and meaner and not herself and didn't know how to talk, didn't know how to interact, had had a temper like it. She got to the point where she said, put me in a mental institution. I'm freaking crazy. And when they did. At her request, the next day, the doctor called up the husband and said, you better get down here right now. we got to wheel your wife into surgery. She's not crazy. She's got a, a tumor in her brain. And so when the, when when she heard that, she it was like the best news she could ever hear. Because, yeah, granted, right, yeah, yeah. not on its own, but compared to the alternative of thinking that she's going to be in the loony bin for the rest of her life because she's turned into a crazy person who's slightly aware that, her family is now going to be forever behind her because she's turned into a different crazy person. She's not that. So how am I to tell you that you can't feel gratitude for something that other people might think is the worst thing ever or vice versa? Who should I tell you that it's not that bad because somebody else has it worse? I interviewed a woman who had cancer five different times in her adult life. Okay. And she kind of dealt with it, matter of fact. Just bring it on. I got it. Cut it out. No worries. Man, I've had worse things happen to me than cancer. Don't worry about it. Like, just deal with it. And I got another lady who is debilitated by just the fear of cancer. Okay? You're going to tell me she has it so much better than the other one? Uh-uh. She got it just, worse. Just a just perspective. Yeah, everybody's just right. an angle yeah. depends on how you see yeah. it, and and I, you know I love what what you said there because to your point, I mean we can we can figure it out as much as we can, but we never will because everybody's yeah. situation is unique to themselves and how they deal with mm -hmm. it is theirs, and there's no comparison to anyone. Everybody's unique in in their lifestyle and how they do it, whether it's tragedy or happiness, whatever the case. And when it comes to some of these more tragic stuff, people deal with them differently. And, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Right. So the motivation was to just shine a light on these stories, nice. so that maybe possibly you'd start harder conversations. Like you have a little more empathy, a little more understanding that you know what there's more going on inside that person. Like there's more going on inside me, right? And you and everybody else has got stuff going on that trust me, you don't know what they're going through or what they've been through, but maybe, maybe you know, you should take a chance and just give people a safe space to listen or let let them give you a safe space to talk or whatever. And that's Love that's it. what I wanted the book to do. So I, like I've had a ton of people go, oh, you know, I'm a critical care nurse and man, it's going to make me understand my patients a lot more. Or, oh my gosh, you know, I, I also lost my, my parent when I was young to cancer. And yeah, man, that the way that person dealt with it, man, I, I got to reframe the way I think about it, you know? And and so what I wanted to do is not to tell people what to think or how to feel, but just I wanted to show them how other people dealt with or didn't deal with the emotional side so that you could go, hmm, okay, that's a point of reflection for how I might deal with it.
you there you just give people a whole different perspective multiple perspectives yeah. on how to deal with different situations yeah. uh, and and so they have an option they have an opportunity that they might not have otherwise before that because it is it is amazing that now when you read that like wow wow most of the people will not have that mm-hmm. I, I mean most people will be like the word ends with me and and when you realize that right. when the world has a lot of people out there are dealing with things and everybody's dealing yeah. with differently you you have a different angle on life and and particularly even a spin on things and you know it makes a whole different you know <laughs> approach to it so I, I i love what you did now that's not the only book you have you had other books uh if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah, yeah. i have other books i wrote a book on uh and then uh just to wrap up th- this one um i i in order to connect, because I feel like we're all connected by stories and emotions, in order to connect the stories, I, I did a 5,000-mile solo bike ride where I zigzagged up and down the country in six weeks to go visit the people I had been talking to, right? And wow. and for the first time, because I, ne- I never met most of them. I've only talked to them on the phone for a couple of years. And so I wanted to see, like, who would I meet along the way? Am I going to run into this theme every day or am I making it up? Right. So I wanted to get on my bike and go see them all and visit hospitals and a couple of cancer centers and talk to people along the way. And I realized that everybody kind of has that same thing. Like, I don't, I don't know what the hell to say. You know, I just heard my friend at work that something bad happened to him, man. I hope I don't run into him because I don't know what that to say. Right. So, uh, so that was the other part of that book. So it, it's kind of a cool cool few stories about the bike ride and people I met along the way. Uh, but I've written other books on um, finance and, and athletics. And, and I wrote a book called uh, winning in the middle of the pack that talks about like the whole concept of uh, uh, if you're not going to win the race and you're not going to lose it, right. We're somewhere in the middle. Most of us are somewhere in the middle, right. I'm not going to be Oprah Winfrey and, and I'm not going to be the dude living on his, on his uh, mom's, couch in the basement when i'm 40 right i'm somewhere in the middle right in the middle you know i think it's important to realize nobody's nobody's looking like nobody cares you got to do it for yourself which is a great thing right it is yeah. listen i mean your, your books are just you know exceptional and i have to say that you okay. know i mean thank you for doing that work and and you know I, again i just asked about the question for the other books because i know that there are different angles but mm-hmm. i think your your ultimate one the most you know the the newest one which is the cycles of lives you know it has probably the most uh you know uh touchy one because it's and they all have you know different angles in terms of the content Mm -hmm. and the the message but this particular one you know could probably change the way anyone out there is is approaching tragedy and 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 just you know uh stuff that happens to us on a day-to-day basis to your point everyone knows someone who knows potentially someone if not close enough that is going through something difficult in their life today and and, and 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 the the hardest question is to your point is like how do i approach that yeah and and there is no real easy way to do this you can try and if anybody's watching listening you ask yourself the question when you were facing that what would you able to do probably was difficult for you to even approach that person and, and deal with it. uh so so i want to touch on something david Mm-hmm. I know you did all the work. You have this book out there, and we want people to actually reach, you know, and get the book. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, it's available. I'm assuming on Amazon and all where the books are, or on the website. Yeah, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. In fact, uh, the Audible is out, which is really cool because out of the 15 stories, 15 different actors each each read one of the stories, which is really cool. So I, I do the uh, narrative in between each one of the stories. I narrate. Nice which is the story of the bike ride and the people I met and my sister and that kind of stuff. But the 15 stories are each read by a different actor. So it's audible. It's on, you know, any electronic Kindle or whatever, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever, wherever books are. Love yeah. it. So, so now I want to just, you know, add the finale piece, you know, like the, hmm. the piece, the piece <laughs> of resistance as they say. Right. Yeah. So, so most of the, I guess the revenue from this, the, the book sales are going to charity. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. So all of it. So my, my publisher obviously takes their cut when books are sold. Sure. Uh, but anything that comes into me that goes out to uh, the charity. So what I, what I did was uh, when I interviewed somebody or their survivor and, and not all the stories are, are dealing with death and have, they, they all have optimistic, inspirational um, 
you know, themes to them. If, mm-hmm. if not in its entirety, it's very optimistic and inspirational, but um, each person had a uh, affinity for a certain hospital or, you know, Moffitt cancer center in Tampa, Florida, or children's hospital, LA or American cancer society, whatever. And, and I said, well, listen, uh, what, you know, I'm not going to profit off of this knowledge that you're giving people. I'm not going to profit off of you opening up your mind and your heart and the dark, darkest place of, of your psyche and showing us all the pain you've been through. I'm not going to profit off of that. So what charity do you want the money to go to? So any dollar that comes into me, um, you know, in, in, into from sales, the whole organization, whatever, um, any money that comes in, we just put that in a nonprofit and send it off to those charities that were picked by the book participants. So those are listed in the book. They're listed on the website. They're all great organizations. And there's, I work with hundreds and hundreds of organizations because I do uh, expressive writing uh, seminars and I talk to people about the book and the emotional side of cancer and that type of stuff. But anything that comes in goes out to the charities. So it's, it's pretty cool. I have no words for that. I mean, you know, I have not met someone today that actually did that, put all the work for a few years and then ultimately take all that money and just donate it back in and, you know, for the right cause and the right element. I mean, I don't know what we have to say. You know, we have to be grateful. We have to be thankful. We have to clap, you know, and I just commend you. And it's totally noble and admirable, you know, with, with what you're doing out there. Oh, uh, and, and I'm sure you, you're helping other folks and maybe you know, get the cure they get the care they get something that you know with that money and uh also besides the inspirational and motivation you know piece mm-hmm. of the book where whoever reads that book and uh, really this yeah. is this is a win-win for everybody there's no loss here i mean minus you're not making the money out of the book but i you know that's well, okay i mean look, I, I i'm fine right i mean i make plenty of money other ways and and it, what's what's important is that if you have the ability to do something passionate, most people I meet that are not in really desperate times, and there's a lot of people in the world that don't have it as fortunate as we do, but most people I meet do something that is not just for their benefit. You know, they go to a soup kitchen once every 10 years, or they, they give they, they give away, you know, all their clothes, you know, or, or they, or they, or they raise money for organizations, or they, work on a nonprofit organization as a helper or they volunteer there. Everybody does something right. And so uh, it's no more or less than anybody else is doing. It's just doing my part. Well, well, you're, it's a big part and it totally appreciate it. I mean, you put in the time, cool. you're even going on podcasts and you've done yeah. over hundreds. Oh, yeah, you know, to talk to people like you, man. Uh, thank you. Thank you. But you're sharing, I mean, you're talking to everybody <laughs> that's watching or listening right now too, and really driving that message across and hopefully you can inspire other people to do it. And mm-hmm. do similar work, and and you said it. I mean, you do have your financial, you know, back world, and 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 you that hopefully that's still running well, and doing a good job. But you give it back, and I think there's there's nothing more uh, touchy than you know than when you actually give back. It's just a different feeling when you actually give your your knowledge, your skills, whatever time that you put in, and you're doing something that actually brings joy to other people and, and changing their lives. And there's, there's, that's like the ultimate satisfaction I have to say. So <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And I totally agree. I always tell people when they ask for something, cause everybody's always afraid to ask, Hey, I'm doing this half marathon. You know, do you want to give me 50 bucks or man, I got this thing I care about. I'm trying to raise money. Can I sell you some cookies or what, whatever it is. And I always say, thank you for asking because it's hard to ask number one, but number two, it's always going to make me feel good if I could do something. It's going to make you feel good that I did something. It doesn't even matter how much, right? It, it doesn't even matter. But I always go, thank you for asking, because I know that if I'm able to do something, it's going to make me feel good, right? So I, I'm like, that, thank you for asking. That's a you know, But we're always so scared to ask, right? We're also, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to make it about me and um, not raising that much money or who cares, man? Just just go out there and do it and people will thank you for, for asking. And, and there are a lot of people that will take that and, and they will yeah. make it happen. So uh, cool. again, thank you for doing the work yeah. you do. And, and uh, so, so we're about just wrapping up the, the, the show today, but I want you before we close, you know, to just, what would be some of the, some of the advice you would give to our audiences right now, listeners 
uh, just to to close. Mm. Up. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a good like prescriptive preacher kind of guy. I I, I guess uh, advice or, or just I, just the, right. No, no, I I hear you. Here's what I would say. Like we said it a few times. You and I talked about it really well. Is is uh well two things I, I'd say. One is you know everybody that I spoke to, every single one, multiple times said to me, ah, okay, you're asking. I never really talked about this before, but okay, we'll talk about it. Every single person. And so when you think you know what somebody's gone through or what they've been through, even if you've had a lot of it, there's more there. So so I would say number one is don't be afraid to ask questions because given the right set of circumstances, look, not everybody was able to open up to me. And not a, not everybody was able to ask all the right questions to either, but you know most of the time it worked out, or at least a lot of times it worked out. So I would say one is that, and, and two, I would say don't discount your own situation, right? Don't go ah, my story's not that interesting. Nobody wants to hear because trust me, if somebody's interested in hearing, it's because they want they want to hear. And when you talk about it, you're going to be like, oh, wow, yeah, you know. So uh, I would say, you know, they, they everybody said, ah, oh, you know, I never really talked about it. But when I started talking to them, everybody was like, no, nah, I don't know why you want to talk to me. My story's not that interesting. Right. So two things. Their story was always really, really interesting. And two is when they talked about things they had never talked about, that's where the beauty of their stories came out. Because it's that stuff that we all have locked up inside that we never deal with. So I would say to the extent that you have people that will give you a couple of minutes to listen, or you could be giving them a couple of minutes to listen, like take advantage of it. I, I guess that'd be the advice. That's great advice, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah. David, it was really a pleasure and an honor to have you on today. And, uh, you know, th I've learned a lot and I think, uh, the people watching and listening, I've learned a lot. You know, folks, please do check out the book. I'll have also the link, you know, and this one in the show about, you know, where you can get all that and uh, link to David direct and uh, his work. I mean, it's just beautiful stuff. Uh, keep up the great work, man. And hopefully we'll we'll have more books and more action. Let's out do there. it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, you do the same, man. I love your style and and uh, I love what you're doing for the audience. So keep it up, man. It's not it's hard, but I'll tell you one thing. Uh, as much as you put into it, the, the demand is, is very, very, very big for people like you and what you're doing. So keep doing it. Thank you. Well, I, I, I love those. Those are motivational things for me. So we, right. you know, gives you, you know, a good pump, you know, to keep doing. And, you know, I, I love it. I, to be honest with you, I enjoy right. this because I know we are delivering to folks, you know, some good stuff. So, uh, folks, uh, it is the end of the show today. So uh, we'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new topic, new guest. Bye for now.